Open up your Bibles, if you would, to the book of Acts. That's A-C-T-S, Acts. There's an Old Testament and a New Testament. The New Testament starts with Matthew, and Acts is in the New Testament. It's the fifth book of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. And it's called Acts, like Acts of the Apostles. Could it really be called Acts of the Early Church? Because it really does, it's kind of a guy named Luke who traveled with Paul for a huge part of this, wrote down the encounters and the accounts of things that he was aware of, that he witnessed personally and, and that type of thing. And so uh, we're looking at that. And so in Acts chapter 2, the disciples had been given instruction. They'd seen Jesus raised from the dead. And Jesus told him, he said, look, wait, into, wait in Jerusalem until you receive the promise of the Father, which is the Holy Spirit. He said, you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized. He said, you'll be endued. That word endued means clothed with. You'll be clothed with power. And the word power there is like a transforming power. In other words, it's not just authority. It's, it brings transformation, things that God's presence is there and things change. You'll be clothed with that kind of power. And so they were waiting. They were waiting in the upper room. And so in Acts 2, they begin to experience that encounter. In verse 1, it says this. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, everybody say suddenly. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Spirit gave them this ability. Now, Peter stands up later and he says, man, because you know, some people are like, these people are just drunk. I love what he says. He said, they're not drunk, it's too early in the day. And so, you know, I thought, you know, anyway, but I mean, that was the response. He said... This, this is that which Joel prophesied. This is that which Joel prophesied. So down in verse 17, it says this, that he said, you're, um, he, he said, uh, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I'll pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And then down to verse 42, it says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That's the word of God. And to fellowship. That's community. And to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. That's generosity. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to the fellowship those who were being saved. In other words, people's lives, their stories were being changed because of the Holy Spirit's presence being there. This took place. And so, but I want you to notice there in verse um, 46 and 47 again, it says, They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. Each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So it says praising God. So, you know, when you think about the praise, an element of praise is thanksgiving. And it was one of those things, it wasn't just kind of an every now and then, it was one of those things that they did daily. That daily they got together and they praised God. Daily they got together and they were thankful, they were grateful. And so if you're taking notes, number one is this, is that, with the evidence of God's presence is being grateful becomes a part of the culture. That it's not just one of those things that they just do because this is a place in the service where we're thankful, but it's one of the things that they did because it was really a part of who they are. 
that it was part of their culture, that regularly that they were grateful and they were thankful for the things that God did in their life. You know, it's, it's just part of a picture, and we'll talk more about this here in a few minutes. It's part of a picture of who we are as believers that we should be known as people that are thankful, that we're grateful people. It should be in our culture. It's something that doesn't just take place in our facility, that it takes place when we leave this place, that we're just, we're grateful. We're just, we're thankful that, you know, when they did this, this was just kind of a common part of who they were. And it should be a part of our culture as well, that God's presence when he shows up that, um, that we begin to be thankful. And, it's, and again, it's not just an act. It's not just one of those things that we just kind of do because this is the time that we do it. But it's cultural. It's, it's who we are. It's, it's just, as a matter of fact, it's just, it would be, you would stand out if you weren't thankful. That that's what culture is. It's, it's, it's what takes place on a regular basis that's in front of us. And we as the people of God that have been impacted by the presence of God, that part of our culture, not just individually, but collectively, is that we should be thankful, grateful people. So number one is this, is that being grateful became a part of the, cult, of the culture. Let's look at number two. If you would go with me, if you would, to Philippians chapter two. You're in Acts, and Philippians is uh, a few books over. And the next book after Acts is Romans, and then 1 Corinthians, and then 2 Corinthians, and then Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. So Philippians was a letter that a guy named Paul wrote, and he wrote this to some believers that he had met in Acts 16. So he helped start a church there. He planted a church there. And, and so he's writing this letter. Now keep in mind, these are people that he knows. You can tell that there's a friendship there, that, that they're connected. And the, the wild thing about it is when you read this letter, you would never guess, except that he tells us, that Paul was writing this from prison. He was in prison while he wrote this letter. And so in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12, he says, Dear friends. So again, there's that acknowledgement of, you're my friends. Dear friends, you always followed my instruction when I was with you. And now that I'm away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. So he didn't say work hard to be saved. We're saved by grace. Not any effort of our own. Not anything that I could do to merit or deserve a relationship with God. It's because of Jesus and because of him alone that we have that relationship. Not because of my perfection, but in spite of my imperfection. And so that's why I have a relationship with him. But he did say this, you know, stay surrendered, stay yielded, so that the, the life that's on the inside of us as a result of that, that it becomes obvious to those around us. In other words, work hard to let that life be seen that's created in us. And so he said this, he goes, work hard to show the result of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Now, he says this, for God is working in you. For God is working in you. In you. If you've made a decision to make Jesus the Lord of your life, to be a Jesus follower, God is working in you. Just when you just kind of close your eyes and say this, say, I know that God is working in me. Now, I'll tell you a great time to do it sometimes if there's areas in your life that you're struggling. Sometimes you feel like, man, you know, just to remind yourself, you know, if if you've got challenges, I know that God is working in me. I know that he's working in me. He's working in you. And then it gets very specific as to what that work looks like. Work looks like. For God is working in you, 
The first thing he does is giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. So the work that God is doing in each of us as believers is, first of all, he starts with wanting to give us a desire to do what he wants us to do. That's the very first place that he begins is that the minute you give your life to Jesus, make Jesus Lord of your life, receive him as your Savior, that the Holy Spirit comes and sets up shop on the inside of you. And as a result of that, he begins to do a work in you that begins to change what you want to do. I used to want to do this. Now I want to do this. You know, some of you are in church now, and years ago you've been like, I ain't going to church. And so and now it's a part of your regular life. You're here today. Well, that's because God, when you gave your life to Jesus, he began to do a work in you. He began to change the things that you want. Now, I think we're liking this. Now, the truth of the matter is there's some things in my life that, that internally I want to do, but I, I still struggle with doing them. Anybody else in here like that? It's like I do stuff because my flesh wants it, but on the inside my spirit's like, kind of like, ugh. My flesh is, you know, being driven by whatever my appetites are and that kind of thing. And so and that can be frustrating. Well, I have good news for you that the other work that God does in us besides making us want to do the right thing is it says this, that he gives us the power to do the right thing, the ability to do the right thing. So now, and let me just say this also. This is an ongoing work. It is an ongoing thing. It's, it's an unending, never-ending thing. You'll never get to a place where you're like, God's finished with me. <laughs> let my spouse know. Let my wife know, babe. Can't complain about me anymore, man. God's, he's done. He's finished. I'm the husband you've always dreamed of. Some of them may have been like Nightmare on Elm Street, but I am the husband that you've always dreamed of. Nightmares are dreams. And so... Um, <laughs> Uh, some things are unplanned. And so, <laughs> so he, doesn't, he doesn't work at us, right? I mean, he just doesn't work at us. And so, first of all, to make us want to, but then he gives us the ability to. And so he, he's, he's, in us, he's in us doing this change, this constructing, this ongoing thing. And I think for the same in this, too, is that, you know, early there were things that were kind of easy to walk away from. But there's been some things in my life that have been more of a challenge than others. And that can be kind of frustrating to be like, man, I keep struggling with this. Maybe that you have areas in your life like that too. And I want to encourage you to know that even if you have areas like that, that just, again, just confess over your life. Man, God's working in me. The fact that I don't want to do that anymore shows that he's working in me. There was a time that I liked doing that. I didn't care. But I don't want to do that anymore. That's God working in me. And he's going to help you. He's not going to leave you there. He's not going to abandon you at that point. He's going to help you overcome that. He's going to help me overcome that. And so as he says that, he says this, God's working in you, giving you a desire and power to do what pleases him. And, and he, the very next thing he starts with, I don't think this is two different thoughts. I think it's a continuing thought. I think this is one of the areas that he begins working in us. So God's working in you, giving you a desire and the power to do what pleases him. Do everything. Everybody say everything. everything. Without complaining. I, I do this all the time. On opposite day. I do this every time on opposite day. Do everything. I never complain when people are driving slow on the left lane. I never, ever complain about that. I, I, I never complain. Uh, you know, I remember when our kids were little and we would go through the drive-thru and we were pulling up to McDonald's and I would tell them, now look, man, they haven't changed the menu in 20 years. There's not going to be crepes up here. 
They got hamburgers. All right? And so you should know when we get there, I'll order first. I'm even going to give you more time. And then I'm going to order first. And then I'm going to turn and look at you. If you don't know, I'm going to order for you. I never complained about that. And I never complained whenever I would say that, and their mom would be like, you just need to stop right now. You just need to be patient, you know. And I'm like, this is insane. We left the house 15 minutes ago knowing we were going to go to McDonald's, and we don't know what we want to eat. What planet is this? I, I never complained about that. <laughs> I also never tell falsehoods. And so... Um, no, man, I mean, there's stuff that I'm challenged with that just frustrates the piewaden out of me. I'm just telling you, you know, it's just that, you know, and so when he says right here that one of the signs that he's working in me is that the place that he wants me to get is to do everything without complaining. Oh, and there's and on there, and arguing. I don't do that either. And so, um, and, and, and again, by saying that, that means that, yeah, I struggle with those things. And maybe you don't, but I'm betting you do too. You know, I, that I, I want to be grateful. We talked about that, having a culture of gratitude. That, you know, I, I want to be thankful, grateful. And the, the work that God wants to do in me is he wants me to get to a place that I do everything without complaining. That I do everything without arguing. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world of crooked and perverse people. Here's the second thing. Being thankful is evidence of God working in us. Being thankful is evidence of God working in us. Man, I mean, we live in a culture of entitlement. And you, here's the thing about it is when you begin to live entitled, it's never enough. You're never satisfied. And you're not grateful for the thing that comes to you. You, you get it and your thoughts are automatically on to what, what else should be coming to you. Be thankful. Be grateful that he's working in me, causing me to want to do what he wants me to do and giving me the ability to do it, the help that I need to overcome this thing that without his help, I couldn't overcome so that nobody can be critical of me. To do everything without complaining and arguing so that nobody can be critical of me. Now, and, and again, understand this. When messages like this, they challenge me because probably these are things that when my day's not going right that I struggle with the most. And I struggle with. I want to talk about how things aren't going like I want them to. And often I do. I want to talk about how I'm disappointed or frustrated. And often I do. But the work that God is doing in me is to get me to a place where I'm not okay with that. And I find that coming out and I, of my mouth and then conviction begins to set in. And I want to get to a place where, where before I ever say it, that the work that God has done in me is so tangible 
that I don't give place to those words. It impacts me. I, I, I want to be a part. I'm, I want God to move here in such a way that as a, as a community, that being grateful is a part of who we are. I love being able to celebrate, you know, just, uh, you know, that, um, you know, I look at that thing that we did for the community. It's an Easter egg hunt and that kind of thing. Yes, I know that, that um, you know, the bunny's not, you know, Easter's not about the bunny, you know, and I, I get that. And, um, and it's about Jesus, but, you know, we want to serve our way into people's lives and be good to them. And then we have an opportunity to speak to them as opposed to operating in the ignorance or the arrogance that we're just going to show up and you're going to listen. In other words, say, we love you. And so we're, you need somebody to do this? We'll do it. And to be grateful that God's given us the opportunity as a church to do it. And I remember when we started 16 years ago, they were, nobody was calling us for anything. And God's been so good to us that we're having opportunities to do things now. That we used to, just used to be prayers and desires. And I look at things like that, and, you know, a lot of times it's a lot of work involved. It costs finances and, and that type of thing. And, but, I mean, God's given us favor. And so we want to be that place that as a community, we're, just, we're grateful we get to do it. Will we do it next year? I mean, he's like, I saw... The gentleman that oversees the Will Rogers, he goes, can we put you down for next year? I'm like, absolutely. So just so you know, we're committed for next year. <laughs> but I want to be grateful about that. I want to be grateful about the doors that the Lord opens up for us collectively as a group. But you know what? As, as important as that is to me, I want to be a grateful person for the things that God has done for me. Am I always? Sadly, no. I want to be that's him working in me maybe that's your story too you're not always grateful but you have a desire to be that's God working in you and so hopefully as we get the word on the inside of us it grabs us and arrests our behavior where in that moment that we're like no 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 I, I mean normally this is the part where I complain I'm not going to complain now normally this is the part where I get contentious I'm not going to be contentious now but that's the place that God has taken me I still struggle with it. I personally believe I don't do it as much as I did at one time. And I want to eliminate it out of my life altogether. But the fact that, that I don't do it as much is a sign that I'm growing. It's a sign that you're growing, that we're growing. And so the second thing is, is that being thankful is evidence of God working in us. It's evidence of that. How do you know that God's working in you? Because he's growing me to be a more thankful person, a more grateful person. Let's look at this last one and we'll close. Go with me back to Acts chapter 27. Chapter 27. Now, it, this is an interesting chapter. The apostle Paul had been arrested. And he was going to go speak before Caesar. And so they put him on a ship and we're going to transport him on this on the ship as a prisoner. Well, before they took off, he said, man, I just have a sense that if you guys leave now, that it's going to be, our lives are going to be in danger. Well, they didn't listen to him, and you can understand. I mean, you know, this guy that's a prisoner trying to tell him, hey, let's not go. You know, I mean, so they're like, they didn't pay any attention, so they went ahead and, and loaded up the ship. Well, you know, they get a little ways down the, the shoreline, and they run into this storm. And it was such, such a horrific storm that it says for like a few weeks, weeks, they couldn't tell whether it was day or night. They didn't eat. They didn't sleep. 
They were just in fear and just trying to survive this storm. And some of, you know, sometimes we have storms that are just moments, and some are storms that are seasons that last. And, and Paul, you know, sometimes I've been in storms in my life because of decisions I've made, because of I've done what I'm not supposed to do. Sometimes I've been in storms just because it's life, just because of life just kind of brings it. And this is one of those storms. To me, this is kind of the hardest storm of all, and that is you're in a storm not because of any decision you've made, but because the people in your circle didn't make the right decisions. And so it pulls you in to a hard place. If they would just do what's right, we wouldn't be in this. You ever been one of those? Maybe you're in one right now. So what do we do in those? Well, Paul was in that, and, and they're wrestling. And so he, he prayed and began to seek God, and, and eventually God spoke to him. And so let's pick up in verse 30. It says, then the sailors tried to abandon the ship. When, it, when it's so bad that the sailors are leaving, it's been, hey, where are you fellas going? Ah, but don't worry about us. We're good. Are they lowering the lifeboats? You know, I mean, it's one of those things. And so it says that they, they tried to abandon the ship. They lowered the lifeboat as though they were going to put out anchors from the front of the ship. But Paul said to the commanding officer and the soldiers, you will all die unless the sailors stay aboard. So the soldiers cut the ropes to the lifeboat and let it drift away. Just as day was dawning, Paul urged everyone to eat. You've been so worried. That you haven't touched food for two weeks, he said. Please eat something now for your own good. For not a hair of your heads will perish. Then he took some bread, gave thanks to God before them all. In the middle of this storm, Paul is encouraging them. Don't quit. Don't give up. And then he took a moment that in a hard place... He gave thanks. He gave thanks. If, if you're looking at this right here, that that's, that's the hardest place to give thanks. I mean, you know, we have seasons. And I've said this before. Every season has its privilege, and every season has its pain. And when we're enjoying the privilege of that season, man, it's easy to be grateful. But we're going through the pain of that season. It's an incredible challenge, man. It's, it's a hard place to be. But here's what I've discovered about gratefulness, thankfulness. It says that, that he gave thanks to God. They, they were no longer looking at the storm they were in. They, they turned towards God. Their, their thankfulness brought them back to God, brought them back to his presence, brought them back to his plan and his purpose. Not to their circumstances, not to their challenge, not what was going on in their world, but it brought them back to him. I, I think about passage after passage in the scripture. You know, many of you are familiar when Jesus fed the 5,000 with the five loaves of bread and the two fish. And really, the, the scripture says that the 5,000, that was just the men. That wasn't counting the women and children. So there may have been ten or 15,000 people there. And to give us context, when you think about five loaves of bread, you're like, well, that's not enough to feed all I mean, but five loaves of bread is a lot of bread. No, think about it in this way. When they talk about loaves of bread and two fish, that it was connected to a little boy's lunch. So it's probably their version of a Happy Meal. And so, I mean, there was, you know, just kind of help you. And so, like, you're like, man, this stuff here is deep. So, but, but so, so Jesus took that. He told his disciples, he said, sit them down in groups of 50 and 100. I've got this kid's lunch, and there are 5,000 men and women, besides the women and children that are here, 
And and you know what he did next? He gave thanks. Now, my challenge in those moments is I want to talk about how my need is huge and my resources are small. How this is way bigger than I'm capable of, way bigger than I have. And yet Jesus, he looked, he's like, Father, I'm grateful for this. Let me ask us a question, me and you. When's the last time that in a hard place that we stopped looking at the size of the problem and just took a moment and just began to take account of what's been given to us? God, I'm grateful for this. There's something powerful about that. Paul in a storm that he was not responsible for. That if they had just listened to him, he wouldn't be, we wouldn't be here. He even told him at one point, he said, if you guys would have listened to me, it was a New Testament version of I told you so. <laughs> and yet, he gave thanks. And it turned them away from the storm and back towards God. I've shared this before, but I love this account of Jesus when 10 lepers called out to him. Leprosy is a horrible disease. And back then, if you got it, it was like a death sentence. And among the Jews, you, they, you know, that you had to, if people got close to you, you had to declare, I'm unclean. You could not get, you know, and so they had leper colonies back then where they would take you away from your family and you would go live with other lepers the rest of your days. And it would just slowly, your, like your appendages would just deteriorate. And you're separated from your family. It was a, it's a cruel disease, a cruel way to die. And so one day Jesus is walking along. There's 10 guys with leprosy. They probably lived in the same leper colony together. And they were hollering out. They said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. So he declared to them, he said, go show yourself to the priests. Now, in our culture, we may not get that. But to help us understand that for them among Jewish law, that if you believed you were healed, that before they would release you back in the community, you would have to go back to the priest and let the priests examine you. And if he thought you were healed, he'd go like, yep, you're healed of your leprosy. You can return home. That hardly ever happened, but it was a great moment of celebration. We did. So he said, go show yourself to the priest. And what we know is it doesn't look like they were healed immediately. It says, while they were going. In other words, they, out of obedience to him, they began to go. And on their way, their bodies were healed. And they noticed, oh, my gosh, we're healed. Well, it says nine of them continued on their way. But one did something unique. He stopped, and he turned back around, and he went back towards Jesus. Thankfulness always takes us back to Jesus. It, it always takes us away from whatever we're in, whatever we're dealing with, and it takes us back towards him. Gratefulness gets our focus back on Jesus, back to him. It turns us back towards him, away from our issues, away from our stuff. And back towards him. Think about your week. And, and I'm asking myself this question. When's the last time you remember being thankful? For taking inventory of what, what you do have. And I know not all storms are the same. I know some of you may be in an incredibly difficult, challenging, hard storm. But even in that, we, we don't have to give thanks for the storm, but in it, we can give thanks. 
for the things we do have. To not forget those things, not take those things for granted. To be thankful for that. I just want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for just a minute. Just spend a moment with God and just, if you're in that place where you're enjoying the privilege of the season that you're in, just be thankful. Maybe you're in the middle of the pain of the season. And again, I'm not saying be thankful for the storm that you're in, but just begin to take inventory of the things that God has given you, of what he's done for you, and begin to thank him for those things. And, and watch how your focus begins to turn away from how overwhelmed you feel right now and towards the goodness of God. Let's just spend a moment with God. Let's just spend a moment with him. Let's just take this time and give thanks. Let's spend a moment with God.